No. I'm not worried at all. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Life Hawk podcast. Today with us, we have a special guest, somebody that I have actually admired from afar, uh, from across the pond. But alhamdulillah, we have the pleasure and honor of having with us today, Sheikh Haitham, Dr. Sheikh Haitham Haddad. Welcome to the podcast, Sheikh. Uh, you are most welcome. MashaAllah. Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. MashaAllah. Dr. Sayyid, how are you? Alhamdulillah. Uh, how are you, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah. Very good. MashaAllah. Tabarakallah. Um, it, is, it is my pleasure to be with you. Jazakallah khairan. And uh, you are in Canada yes. and I'm all the way in London. And uh, yes. hopefully, inshallah, we will have a discussion that covers the Atlantic as well. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, yes. And alhamdulillah. Uh, you know, uh, Sheikh, you are, as I mentioned in my introduction, somebody I've admired for several years from afar. We are, we've been active in the Dawah here in, in, in Western Canada uh, for over 20 years. So, um, and we've, we, we haven't been really present in the online sphere until COVID. So COVID came and mm -hmm. we started becoming more in the online world. And that in and of itself brought a lot of like blessing because we ended up connecting with a lot of the brothers in UK. And so uh, we connected with uh, Ustad uh, Adnan Rashid. Uh, we connected with Dili Hussein. Uh, previous to that, we had a program pre prior to COVID with uh, Hamza Zorses. And so anytime I actually connected with any of these UK brothers, I always inquired about you. I said, how's the sheikh? Uh, because uh, you're somebody that I, uh, you know, when you speak, uh, I believe that um, the level that you are at, a lot of people don't appreciate a lot of the commentary that you are making. Because it has um, it has a lot of wisdom within it, uh, and uh, that's why I'm really actually, like I said, I'm truly honored um, for you to be with us, and I want to try to extract as much of the barakah as possible, inshallah, from this conversation. First of all, we ask Allah Jalla Ala to um, conceal our mistakes and to pardon us for our shortcomings, and um, we always say that. We ask Allah to treat us uh, according to his uh, rahmah and mercy, not according to uh, our reality. And we ask Allah to cover our mistakes and shortcomings. And anyway, Jazakallah khairan for this, uh, this beautiful um, introduction and for Husnullah. Yeah. And I hope that I will be, inshallah, yani, as uh, you think of me. Yeah. I, I don't think I can manage mm. that, okay? Because you think so much of me, so highly no, of me. Sheikh, yeah? uh, so, so, no, so. Sheikh, uh, I don't think I will match that. And I, I, I don't yeah. want you to use this tactic, which is, you know, in, in uh, they said in competition, when you have a strong, um, mm. when you have a strong, what is it, opponent or a strong yeah, player against you, so try to mm. put him up, 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 up. So then just yes. smash him. 
And then when you do that, halas, that's <laughs> so, you, so you you think this is I'm setting you up. <laughs> I'm making you softening oh, well, you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have to be careful these days of this yeah. uh, of the politicians, yeah. of the media people, yes. etc. Yeah, and you've yes. been inviting you know, big, the, big the, people. The, the doctors are but uh, brothers of one another, right, Chef? <laughs> yes, mashallah. Yeah, that the people of knowledge. Yeah, are yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. as they say, al rahimu al ilmu rahimun bayna ahli. Al ilmu is like the uh, is is like the rahim, the kinship between the people mm. of knowledge. طيب, let us start. True, so. Chef. So, yeah. uh, Sheikh, there's a few, to, actually, on that note, there are a few contemporary issues that I feel uh, can, uh, you know, get people plugged in, hopefully, into uh, this podcast and also uh, to start thinking about um, how s- there's a lot of links between what's happening currently that come up, which uh, people end up uh, becoming the topic of discussion and also, uh, you know, longstanding issues. So, for example, uh, past few days, in past few weeks in North America, this is primarily, you could say, U.S.-fueled issues, but it spills over into Canada. A lot of the way that the culture here in Canada is, a lot of what happens in into the United States, it echoes in Canada. So uh, yeah. some current issues that are hot topics are uh, past, you know, a few weeks was the abortion issue. Now it's yeah. um, the gun violence issue. Okay, and now yeah. you have Muslims with these issues and many issues. You find mus- many Muslims getting caught up, especially in social media, in the discussion. And oftentimes they feel compelled to either uh, comment from a right wing political spectrum perspective or a left wing uh, political spectrum perspective. Okay, so they feel like I have to go into one of these two tribes and I have to be a part of one of those uh, you know, uh, you know, parties uh, to represent myself. Now, yeah. is this the right way of developing opinions? Uh, should we have a different critical think or, or or different methodology? Yeah. Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Salatu salam ala Rasulillah. Um, uh, the main reason for those brothers who uh, join uh, either camps is, uh, to be honest with you lack of knowledge of the reality of the uh, what is happening in the non-islamic western civilization non-islamic western civilization number one number two is lack of uh, lack of spiritual or lack lack of spirituality of or lack of iman okay so these are the main two reasons for those brothers to show inferiority complex in front of the so-called Western non-Islamic ideas. And that what compel uh, many of them just to adopt uh, adopt one of the non-Islamic Western ideas, uh, whether that is uh, to be the conservative view or the liberal view, but none of them is the Islamic view. And I'm really surprised that Muslims who are living in the West, they are suffering from this inferiority complex uh, because the more I live in the West and the more I see the non-Islamic West, the more I realize that 
the Western civilization, the non-Islamic Western civilization is in need of Islam to save it. Mm. Okay? And um, I remember an article that was written maybe 20 years ago. I forgot the author of the article. He said that uh, the Western non-Islamic civilization is in need of Islamic fundamentalism. At that time, they were using fundamentalism or extremism in order to save the Western civilization. Okay? Because if you look at every single corner of the non-Islamic Western civilization, you see a rapid decline. Yeah? And it doesn't take the Muslim, the average Muslim, long to understand this. For example, in America, the shooting that took place just a few days ago. Yeah? Hmm. Now, what does that mean? Can someone explain what does that mean? A young boy or a, a man, call him whatever you want to call him, just to grab a gun and then to kill 21 innocent children. What is this? This is a reflection of, is not a reflection of uh, one element because they normally say that the social political uh, phenomena is a response to number of factors. It is not an outcome of one social or political or economical factor. It is, uh, it is an outcome of number of factors. Okay, so the education played a part, the culture played another part, the political system played a part, the media system played a part, the legal framework played also a part. So all of these contributed and produced criminals like that person. Okay, mm. now, uh, now you might say, someone might say, well, this is the same applied when Muslims do something like this. When Muslims do something like this and they been living in the West, again, we agree that they are, they are also the product of, uh, of those elements and they added to it some misconception, some uh, ideological misunderstanding or some ideological misconceptions. But if they have been living in the West, they are also a product of those elements that we have mentioned. Okay, this is this is an example, uh, the, the shooting, the killing. If you talk about abortion, I don't think any sane person, any sane, reasonable person who witnesses what happens uh, in, in, in this field, in the medical field, regarding abortion and he will or she will uh, accept that this is ethical, this is humane, this is accepted. Okay? Mm. I don't know whether you have seen, I ask every single brother to Google yeah, the images of aborted children. Yeah, and just by looking at the images of aborted children, you know, one time I uh, I was performing Hajj, and with me there was a doctor who is specialized in in 
what is it? Women, what is that? That is specially called and, and labor. Yeah, Obi-Gan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was ask him, asking him uh, questions related to abortion because I want to understand, uh, you know, the fiqhi perspective and when uh, a child can be aborted. And uh, at that time, I remember one of the uh, doctors, he was saying that the child, even if he is 40 days of age, yeah, he is alive. He is a living being. Uh, so I was asking that doctor, and that doctor started to explain to me what happens in abortion. Yeah, and that sometimes the child is being ripped off, is being cut off into pieces. The arm is cut, and sometimes it is difficult to take him out of the moon so an arm will come in your hand, uh, a leg will come and he said sometimes you hear the cry of the child Wallahi when he was describing it as a doctor, I told him stop, stop and I was about to vomit yeah, I could not handle this, now are you telling me that it, this is ethical this is uh, this is civilized yeah who on earth can accept this yeah this is a murder okay they are murdering the children now uh, in england i forgot actually the exact figure but they are talking about over 200,000 abortion every year i don't know the figure in the united states this is horrible this is genocide. This is genocide that is taking place. And very few people are talking about it. And then they are talking about, well, the, the, the uh, ethical non-Islamic uh, Western civilization. This is another example, okay? Uh, abortion. Okay, take the example of drugs. Yeah? Take the examples uh, of drugs. And, you know, now, for example, in London, they are selling drugs everywhere. Drugs is destroying the children. Uh, I think they, they, they say that they are spending every year, um, I forget ex again the figure, uh, something 60 billion or something, a huge amount, okay, to uh, treat the problems related to drugs. And as a, as a result of this, the, ch the children, the young people, they don't want to study, they are not committed, they are not mature, they want easy money, etc., etc., etc. Okay. Are these legal drugs, Sheikh? Are they the uh, like just they're all illegal? The the drugs. That Whether legal about? or the illegal drugs. Okay, even the legal drugs or class A drugs. I'm not sure if you're aware in Canada because you know some of the laws uh, in recent years have changed, and now you know things like marijuana, cannabis are illegal. And uh, yeah, and so we're seeing actually a rapid rise of uh, cannabis use. Like I have many patients, like you know, after you're 18 years old, just like alcohol, you can uh, like ingest, smoke, whatever. You can imbibe cannabis as often as you want. So I have patients that is becoming very regular who um, use cannabis daily, Sheikh. Daily use yeah, of yeah, cannabis. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Uh, What's his name? Uh, uh, 
Michael Jackson when he when he died. Okay, they they mm-hmm. found that he is consuming uh, on a monthly basis uh, maybe drugs worth of more than thirty thousand pounds, thirty thousand dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. it is it is a huge problem. Now, mm-hmm. okay, see we can talk more about uh, such problems. Uh, by the way, as we are talking about this, I just came from Malaysia just uh, last week, actually. And on the way uh, to Malaysia, uh, I took the Qatari Airlines from London to Doha and then from Doha to Kuala Lumpur. From Doha to Kuala Lumpur, subhanAllah, uh, the man next to me was uh, a white British non-Muslim who served uh, for the army. Yeah, who served in the army. Uh, he served in Iraq and he served in Afghanistan. And we had the chat. He's a very, very nice gentleman and uh, uh, educated, but he is well read. He knows. He knows a lot. Yeah. And he knows a lot about Islam and he's living in Malaysia. He liked Malaysia. He told me something interesting. Yeah. He told me that there is no doubt that the Islamic lifestyle is far better than the Western non-Islamic lifestyle. Here I always like to use the Western non-Islamic lifestyle because there is a Western Islamic lifestyle and there is a Western non-Islamic, okay, uh, or maybe anti-Islamic uh, lifestyle. So, and among the things he said to me, he said to me, look, uh, his father has five children, so they are five siblings. Uh, I think three daughters, two boys, or uh, three boys, uh, two girls. Anyway, he said, all of us are the five. We are above the 50s. Yeah, our 50s. He said, we don't have a children, all of us. We just have one child, and that child came by mistake. Okay? Imagine this. So he is basically saying that within 20 years, when we all die, the offspring of our father will vanish, will come to an end. And he said this is a reflection of what is happening in the non-Islamic West. Yeah? And which, is, which is something that is well known. There is a rapid decline in the population. And you know, this point, which is the rapid decline of the uh, population, I always use it as a challenge whenever someone is challenging me about the Western lifestyle and the, you know, the modernity and the, 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 uh, the backward Islam and the backward, you know, uh, Muslims, etc. I say, okay, whatever you say, can you explain to me why there is a rapid decline in the population. Mm. Yeah. And, okay, can you provide a solution for that? And at that point, no one can give me an answer. No one. Mm. No one. And I challenge every single thinker in every single non-Islamic thinker to provide me a solution for this problem because they can't solve it. They can't solve it. In, in Denmark, in Denmark, they said, 
in 2050 there will be no single indigenous yeah uh, danish family either mixed race or just foreigners yeah and uh, yeah. in austria or switzerland uh, they started to give incentives yeah for those who have four children and yes. they say that why do we need to bring uh, uh, immigrants let us encourage our mm. people to have uh, children okay they don't mm. want to have uh, children and sometimes they use this silly excuse that the world yeah the uh, this uh, planet is overpopulated <laughs> but actually mm. even if they say this yeah they are talking about india they are talking about china what about europe you are mm. desperate to keep the balance yeah but they are unable to do so and the question is why they don't have an answer we have an answer because once the person is not doesn't have the right world view yeah this person will say why do i need to bring children why do i need to work day and night to feed those children let me just enjoy my life let me do this and that okay unless they change the world view which is the aqidah quote-unquote then they wouldn't be able to solve this problem yes sheikh don't you find it ironic for societies that touts itself to be the champion of human rights have lost their humanity you know you oh have yeah people, of course the, the like who when they look at death look at look at the what do you what do you spoke about the, the, yeah. this is a joke to be honest with you yeah. this is a joke because you know they they uh when, when you talked about like somebody um having like almost like numbness to death going and killing 19 children elementary school children two teachers yeah uh and this is not an this is not something that is an anomaly right it happens regularly in the united states yeah. for example yeah um you have you know as you mentioned before uh you know how many uh children uh and the process honestly is it is really gruesome how you described uh you know how, the that that process of abortion which ironically by the way uh, Sheikh, you know, when they speak about it as like um, an issue of uh, rights for women, right? Ironically, like it is females that are aborted the most, right? Statistically yeah, speaking, because like, you know, when you look at India and China and you put the world global statistics together, uh, when they do the ultrasound, Many of them, when they find out it's a female, they're more likely to abort it. Statistically, oh, yeah. they're aborted far yeah. more. So if you're saying about women's rights, the women are the one that are suffering the most, right, uh, through this process. Yeah. But why have we become, like, why have we become so numb to all this death? Exactly. The mothers, the mothers themselves, you know, the mothers who aborted the, the children, they are suffering so many consequences after the abortion. Yeah. So, but just because of the social pressure, the financial pressure, uh, whatever kind of pressure, they just want to get rid of the, the children, yeah? And, and see, when they talk about women's rights, okay, uh, in the United States, I remember the statistics, uh, maybe, uh, um, okay, in England here, in England, okay, let us forget about the United States because I have some statistics 
that is quite old. But in England here, do you know that uh, every uh, every week there are two or three women are killed in the UK? Yeah, and those who are killed, most of them are killed uh, by their ex partners, by someone whom they know. Okay. Uh, how many uh, rapes are reported in the UK? I think the figure is 100 and something. Okay. Women raped. Okay. Every or, uh, yeah, raped or, or, or uh, suffered from sexual harassment. Okay. On a daily basis. Uh, figures, uh, I think in America, it was a lady that is raped every three minutes, something like this. Yeah. So those figures, do they reflect that they, uh, the non-Islamic West managed to protect women's rights? You know, the, the counter argument that they make is they look at military, well, to a certain degree, military, but materialistic um, success. They look at materialistic success. So they say, oh, look at how materially successful women are. Look at how materially successful Western societies are compared to uh, Muslim societies. So this is their counter argument. They look at it from a purely materialistic okay. measure. Okay. You know, uh, okay. With, with let, their us, let us discuss this. Let us discuss this point because this is, I agree with you, and let us have a deep discussion. This is, okay, there is a deep discussion, which is, what is the definition of a civilization? What do you think? What is the definition of a civilization? Perhaps I can, uh, like, I, I wouldn't be able to quote an exact, like, dictionary definition, but we could say what marks a civilization. I would say what marks a civilization is um, uh, cohesion within um, the community, the ability for um, individuals within that community uh, to grow, uh, to meet their potential. Uh, there is uh, a mark of a civilization would be um, what they leave behind for future generations and what they establish, you know, for, for the future, right? Okay. Yeah. Let me put it in another way. What is the purpose of mm. a civilization? A purpose of the civilization would be... Um, I would say one of the pur purposes would be for it to sustain itself and for it to grow. Uh, okay, so to grow, yeah. But, yes. but you know, there is a deep discussion here and down the line, to cut it short, they say the purpose of a civilization is to make people, yeah, flourish and be happy. Mm. Mm. Because if the civilization makes people unhappy, then... There is no point of it. Hmm. Agree or not? Uh, I would say, uh, like, idealistically, but then we know civilizations have occurred and continue to occur where it's not necessarily the concern of people in general, but the concern at least a certain portion need to be happy uh, of that. Uh, yeah, okay. That so, so yeah. yeah. So, this, this leads to another discussion. Okay. People who are, the civilization is based is built on people. Mm -hmm. So those people who are building the civilization, 
So they want to be happy. Okay, this is one of their main, main goals of building a civilization. That's why mm. a civilization entails, uh, entails, entails a good uh, social care system. Yeah, uh, civilization yes. entails a good uh, health care system. Yeah, civilization yes. entails a powerful country. Civilization. So if you have the best, the best healthcare system, the best social system, the best military, the best, but people are killing themselves and they are mm. depressed. How on earth mm. do you define this as a civilization? Yeah, mm. and individuals will mm. say, I don't care, I just want to be happy. Yeah, I mm. want to be happy. So if people are not happy, this is one thing. And then the other thing is, okay, uh, maybe the West has, okay, started, was building itself and many Western, many non-Islamic Western countries, they were rising and they built and established themselves, but they reached to the peak and they started to have an ethical decline. And mm. that can be the start of the decline of the entire civilization. Okay, mm. so they they were successful because they used to have certain uh, conservative values, and now they are leaving those values. Who guarantees that they will remain in power and remain successful as they are? as they were, sorry. Mm. So this argument that, look how successful we are. Yes, you are successful now, not because of your liberal values, no, because you worked hard in the past, yeah, and you reached the peak, and now you have, you are adopting liberal values, so those liberal values, we need to wait and to see whether you are going to continue successful or not. And the reality that mm. we see that is visible in front of our eyes that take just the element of, uh, take the elements of birth rate, yeah? The decrease in birth rate. And we see that, oh, there is a rapid decline. Take the example of killing, murdering. Take the example of the consumption of drugs. Those do not reflect a successful, happy, yeah, society. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, one thing I think, uh, Sheikh, um, perhaps could be a subtle point is that uh, it's a key factor: morality and these values, right? These moral values, these traditional values, that essentially. Uh, humanity has recognized since you know there's been like existence of record keeping, right? There's certain values that we've that we have recognized, and these are the values that you've actually built civilizations upon and sustained civilizations upon. When you abandon those values at a core level, then that society is no longer sustainable, even though you may uh, be able to 
be temporarily materially uh, successful or to be able to be powerful or have uh, some type of, you know, geopolitical dominance, right? So, for example, um, whether we look at the Mongol Empire or we look at the, you know, empire of colonialism or the U.S. empire or even if we look at it at a macro level, right? If we look at it as material success, that is the uh, gauge of whether or not the person is quote unquote on the right path. Then if you look at a neighborhood that has a mafia that controls it and the kid grows up in that neighborhood and says, you know, I want to join the mafia because they have the money, they have the cars, they have everything. He says, no, no, that's not the right thing to do. It's like, but you know, my, my father who works, you know, every day hard goes to work day in and day out, barely can put food on the table. I want to be a gangster, I want to be a gang member, right? So it's the same type of argumentation that you look at what's like materially successful, but it's never sustainable. You never see a mafia guy retiring with grandchildren running around him and like a successful life. You don't see people who persist on injustice being able to sustain that society, right? So uh, exactly, I think what, exactly. You know, you, you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. And so that's what we're seeing within yeah. this, this society here is that, um, you know, back in you know back in the times of like middle middle ages, right? If a king really wanted to punish you, Sheikh, like if a king wanted to give you like a torture, lifelong torture, he's gonna make sure that you don't have any progeny. I'm gonna kill all your yeah. children. I'm gonna cut off your bloodline. One of the ways that yeah. you would destroy a person, like from the inside, completely crush the spirit of a person, you're not going to have any progeny anymore. Your bloodline will not live yeah. on. That would crush, that would be the most ultimate thing. People say, no, kill me, let, let my children live, right? Now, yeah. we are so numb to death and so self-destructive, we are actually killing our bloodline and ourselves. Yep, yep, yeah. And that's why, you see, see, the issue is, uh, when when people say, uh, yeah, you, you were talking about the counter argument and uh, they say how successful uh, we are from a materialistic perspective, we say, first of all, how did you judge it? Yeah, how did you judge it? Maybe if a person says, look, I have one million pounds, so this means, or one million dollars, this means that I was successful. Maybe if you, dumb, you, do, if you do something else, you could have, uh, you could end, up with 10 million dollars yeah so why did you say that 1 million dollar it means that i'm successful this is one thing and the other thing why did you say that materialism is successful yeah why did you say that some people might say well uh maybe happiness is success okay maybe having good health is success look uh this materialism is not bringing happiness to us, is not improving the lifestyle, is not improving the health of the people. Mm. The health is in decline. We are suffering. Okay, the, the, the world is exploding. There are so many pandemics that are coming other than the, the COVID-19. Yeah, so who said, who said that, uh, okay, they are successful? In the UK, they said that within, uh, in the in actually in in Europe, they said in 2030, one out of five people will be depressed. Yeah, mm. one out of five uh, people or men 
will be depressed. And they say that uh, depression and other mental illnesses will be the biggest illness yeah, in Europe. So now those mental illnesses, do they reflect that people are happy? Is this a civilization? Anyway, uh, see, yeah, I, I, I don't want just to keep talking about this point because I think yeah. for me, uh, the more I live, it, it is very clear. The point is our Muslim brothers, yes, those Muslims who are suffering from inferiority complex and they are looking mm. at, you know, the, the, the non-Islamic West as the haven or they look at it as the model and they look at our Muslim world that is, uh, you know, there is corruption there, fighting, killing, etc. That look, all of this is happening because of Islam. Yeah. Those people, we need to be active in explaining the reality to those people. Yeah. Mm. That is the, yeah. uh, the, 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 the most, uh, maybe the most important part that we as dua need to focus on is how to uh, reach out to those people, how to convince them, how to articulate our ideas, how to show them the reality. So they will not think that the deen of Allah is a source or as a reason for backwardness. Yeah. And yes. then yes. ultimately they think that Sharia or Islam in general is not compatible to modernity and in order mm -hmm. for us to be modernized or uh, in order for us to be uh, advanced, we have to abandon Islam or uh, mm -hmm. at least they say that we have to uh, adopt a secular version of Islam whereby Islam is just limited and confined to the masajid yeah, and mm -hmm. does not go outside the masjid you know sheikh what's also interesting i i feel that like when we, these are good reflections to have because for you sheikh i can tell it's really innate and it's self-evident you know the success of islam but you know i would say uh and if we look at it psychologically speaking and statistically speaking uh, I, a good measure and a more authentic measure of people's happiness is relationships in their life right and one could say, if you look at some of the statistics, an increase in uh, material accumulation has a negative uh, influence on relationships. You know what I mean? So, for example, they've done studies where they found people who have won the lottery, you know, so they get like millions of dollars. All their relationships suffer, Sheikh. You know what I mean? Yeah, so of course. They're, they're, yeah. You know, it has a deleterious effect on all their relationships and relationships with human beings, especially with your family and community members. This is the most one of the most significant factors of having, uh, as you mentioned before, mental well-being, internal well-being. Yeah. And we are putting yeah. ourselves in a position where you're chasing this uh, material end, which actually has an opposite effect on the happiness that you're seeking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, see, I, I, I think uh, media, okay, media plays a major role in faking what success is and what happiness is, mm. okay? And this is, by the way, uh, this is a huge problem. You know, uh, a few years ago, 
I was in Malaysia three years ago, uh, apart from this uh, last visit. And I was with um, a professor who is kind of uh, maybe a consultant to the government. And I said to him, look, and we were uh, using public transportation, the, 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 the metro or the train. And I said, look around you. What do you see? You see those young people, they are carrying the latest mobile, looking at the mobile 24-7, and look at the advertisement with their, the advertisement in the mobile phones they see, or the billboards and the posters and the all the advertisements. All those advertisements are talking about the latest, maybe the latest trousers, the latest clothes, the latest brands, the latest, and showing the young people jumping and, you know, happy and smile, etc. This is, this is what the, uh, the young people are receiving everywhere in the news in the uh, on the on on in you know uh, in the advertisements in front of them in the screens in the streets everywhere so in their minds life is about what just enjoying it mm. yeah and that's why yes. even the level of the committed young people those who want to work hard is decreasing in so many places. Uh, mm. In the UK here, even this white person that I sat next to him, uh, I asked him about this. He said, "Yeah, this is visible. Uh, this this is evident that the 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 white people now they are not hardworking people as they used to be before." Okay, mm. and we see it, you know, when we come across white people, they are not like what they used to be before. And we see yes. it within our children now. Yeah? Uh, we see it with the children in general. They want easy money, and all what they think of is the uh, latest mobile phone. They are, uh, they are thinking of the latest uh, brand uh, or the latest clothes of this brand, that yes. brand, etc. So now, all of this is fake. It doesn't give the right image about the reality and the challenges they are going to face in uh, in their life. And as a result of this, they are not uh, sophisticated enough from this perspective to understand the reality of this life. And that's why they can be fooled easily when they say, when, when uh, the West... Uh, the non-Islamic West is presenting their model that come to us, we have the latest technology, uh, we have the freedom, we, you can do whatever you want to do, you, you can enjoy your life. So they live in this illusion that this is the model, this is the right model of a happy life. Yeah, And uh, this is really very worrying. This is very worrying. I, I I hope that my point is clear. No, 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 your point is clear. And basically from that point, I want to segue into something that I wanted to actually perfect. It's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, and I want you to comment on the statement. There are many well-intentioned yet 
ineffective Muslim men in our community. What are your thoughts? Is there any truth to that statement? Say, say that again, sorry. There are many well-intentioned, so they have good niyyah, uh, but they're ineffective. They're incapable. They they don't have, um, they're not able to uh, enact a, a significant influence in society or do anything, bring about any real positive change within society or even their own lives. So there's many well-intentioned but ineffective Muslim men in our community. Would you say there's any truth to that statement? Yeah, 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 definitely. 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 Because, see, they don't understand the reality of this life. They don't have the right mm. worldview. Yeah. Um, they don't see things in a macro level. They just see things in a micro level. Yeah. Um, there are some other uh, factors to this. They don't live uh, uh, with, uh, with, with, uh, as groups communicating with others and as teams, sorry, working mm. with others. So they are individuals, uh, that their ego is increasing. Mm. The sense of individualism, okay, is increasing. And as a result of all of these factors and some other factors, they become really ineffective. Yeah. They might have good intention, but that is not enough. I've divided it into two categories, you know, so then we can get more like as you like to do to get into like deeper within the the topic. So let's divide the, the say this general malaise of well-intentioned yet ineffective men that we want to change the condition of. So let's say there's two categories. Let's divide these into two categories. One category are say like our, our scholars, our talib al-ilm, our students of knowledge, our du'at. Let's divide one to, into this group and another group of just the general person, just the general uh, man, the awam, okay? So if we look at, um, you know, this group of the people of knowledge, um, what do you feel are specific areas which is causing them to be ineffective? Because I've, I've heard you mention before quoting statistics about how many people who have graduated from Dar al or, you know, Azhar, or, you know, graduates of Medina, and yet they're ineffective in the communities. Is it because they don't know how to, uh, because of the secularization, yeah. they feel that they're handcuffed, they can't do anything? Why are this, yeah. all these people who are half of the Quran and they have this ilm, why are they so ineffective in our communities? Okay, yeah, number of number of reasons, okay, number of reasons. Maybe this is, it might take us a little bit away from the uh, original discussion, but that is, that is fine, okay? And this is really a very important uh, discussion, very important area that we need to understand. Uh, there are a number of reasons for their effectiveness, okay? Uh, one main reason, for tulab al-ilm is that the ilm they are studying they are not studying they are not studying it in a contextualized way that enables them to be effective in these societies okay yeah again they are not studying the ilm in a contextualized way 
that enables them, that empowers them, that equips them with the needed tools to be effective in different societies. Yeah. Mm. For example, I'll give you uh, a simple example. Although that example is, alhamdulillah, now some people are trying to, to maybe overcome this example. When we study the books of Aqidah, most of the books of Aqidah are focusing on the Ash'ari Athari Khilaf. Yeah? So if you are Ash'ari, you study books, Ash'ari books. And they are refuting the Athari or Salafi kind of Aqidah. If you are studying the Salafi Athari Aqidah, you are focusing on the uh, the points of khilaf with the Ash'aris or the Maturidis or maybe the Sufis and they are refuting them okay but which books of Aqidah are talking about some ideological challenges that we are facing now okay mm. the isms okay start from from Darwinism Okay, atheism, uh, even, even, even liberalism, yeah, even uh, feminism. Which books of Aqidah are focusing on those challenges? Yeah, none. You have to study extra, yeah, and not all institutions teach these things. Agree or not? Yeah, yes, so. Yes. This would would you say, though, to, to a certain degree, like with the discussions around Tawheed Hakamiya, that that's been done, like, that's probably the most con contextualized discussions with Aqidah? Yeah, even, even the that? discussion yeah. regarding Tawheed Al-Hakamiya is not discussed in an uh, appropriate way, to be honest with you. It is discussed mainly mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that polarizes the, the, the uh, you know, the uh, people. Okay, uh, and it is not discussed in a proper, calm, contextualized way that enables those people who study and understand the importance of referring to the law of Allah to be able to provide solutions for the contemporary challenges that they are facing. Yeah, okay, it is they. They are discussing it in a way that, oh, look, those who are not uh, taking Allah as the legislator, they are the kafirun, or they are the valimun, or they are the fasiqun. Then here, the another discussion is opened, which is, do we make takfir on them, or they are just the valimun, or they are the fasiqun? They forget the, about the essence of this and how to bring about the divine law to the life of people as much as we can so they can live by that okay this is this is an example okay this is mm. an example yes. of how and see and when the students stay for five years six years eight years maybe in the alim course studying those matters of aqidah, the mindset of the person becomes tunneled. Yeah? Mm. The mindset of the 
of the Talib and become tunneled and he wouldn't be able to face those challenges of liberalism, yeah, feminism, uh, secularism, mm. and so on, those contemporary uh, challenges. Mm. So this is yes. a simple example. Take another yes. example in fiqh. Yeah? When we study mm. the classical books of fiqh, the classical books of fiqh don't focus on the wisdom yeah, behind the ahkam. Yeah? Mm. The intellectual wisdom behind the ahkam. So, I'll give you an example. Hajj is about to start. You need to study you some, some uh, other contemporary books like the books of Mathalan, Muhammad Qutub, Sayyid Qutub, maybe Abu Al-A'la Maududi, in particular, in order to understand the deep meanings of Hajj, yeah? Hmm. Uh, which is the universality of the Ummah and uh, the the international meeting that is taking place, okay, and the empowerment of the ummah, uh, feeling, uh, the, the feeling that you are part of a historical ummah, and these different meanings. Now, when you study Hajj as a pure ritual thing, yeah, all look, look, subhanallah, a few days ago. A brother, a young brother, uh, he said to me, Sheikh, I'm planning to go for Hajj. I have a question for you. I said, yeah, go ahead. He said, what is, uh, what is your view regarding wearing the sandals that have a stripe from, you know, behind the ankle? I said, uh, yani, you are going for Hajj for the first time. This is what is occupying your mind now and this is the mm. question you want to ask me about and you are a young person a talib ilm he said well actually we took a course uh, a few days ago as a preparation for hajj and the sheikh who is well known speaker he was talking about this that no listen don't wear the uh, normal boots wear the sandals because of this and that. Now, mm. look how we shaped, how we dumped the mindset of the people that we made Islam a very ritualistic religion. Yeah, We made those uh, five pillars as ritualistic uh, pillars that has no major impact on our life. In fact, we do not understand the deep meanings of salah. We do not understand the deep meanings of zakah, of fasting, of hajj. Now, Talib al-ilm, who is studying in this classical way, all what he focuses on is those minor fiqhi, ritualistic elements. Now, can you tell me that this person who is studying fiqh from this perspective, is able to talk to the young generation and is able to uh, help the ummah to rebuild its civilization, impossible. Yeah, mm. and that's why, yes. uh, you know, in, in, in Malaysia, I gave the khutbah 
just uh, not last Friday, the week be- the week before that, the Friday before that, it is I think available online. Yeah, that I said to uh, this the Islamic University of the International Islamic University of Malaysia, IIUM. I said to them, when you study any science, any subject, whether aqidah, whether fiqh, whether tarikh, whether sirah, do you feel that you are studying it in a way that empowers you and enables you to participate in building Islam as a great civilization as it was before? Hmm. Yeah? And I am telling you, no. Yeah? No. Yes. We 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 can't. We can't. And and simply when you study when you study fiqh, yeah, where is where do you study the political system? Where hmm. do you study the financial system? Where do you study the social system? You just study, okay, uh classical masail disconnected not as systems now see that might be that might be suitable for uh, for maybe people who lived in the past that was suitable for a particular context when khilafa was established mm-hmm. and people uh, they understand islam in a holistic way but now we do mm. not understand Islam in a holistic way. So keep studying those books without addition, okay, will be counterproductive. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm. And and mm. look, I'll give you another example. You know, if we talk about financial system, it, the books of fiqh, they are, when they talk about riba, they are talking about riba based on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, hadith Ubadah, al-dhahabu bil-dhahabi wal-fiddatu bil-fiddah, mithlam bi-mithl. Okay? Ha'an wa ha'a. Different narrations. Or al-dhahabu bil-dhahabu wal-fiddatu bil-fiddah wal-burru bil-burri wal-tamru bil-tamri wal-shairu bil-shairu wal-milhu bil-milh. Yeah? Mithlam bi-mithl, yadam bi-yad. Faman zada aw istazad faqad arba. Now, None of these books of fiqh are talking about the actual money that we use now, the paper money, isn't it? Mm. Okay. And if the teacher, if the teacher is an open-minded person and he started to educate them about the paper money, okay, let alone crypto, crypto money, okay, and, and, and these types of money, these students will have no clue about these contemporary issues. Are they being taught this way because there's an assumption that there is no real like Islamic system um, where like outside of like say a bubble of like haram and halal and ritualistic actions where Islam will have an influence in a domain. You know what I mean? So they're not they're not training them say with engaging with like the the financial or political system because for example muslims in the west your islam has no place there and it has no influence there so you just stay within your bubble within the masjid within the center 
like halal and haram, these ritualistic acts. Is there already is is there already a mentality of surrender? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, not really, because this is happening in in the Muslim world. Yeah, this is happening in yeah. Medina University. This is happening in Imam Muhammad ibn Saud. This is happening in Azhar. This is happening in yeah. Zaytuna. But, but this even is there in those in, like they understand that that society isn't like a society where we know truly speaking like an Islamic system for there an Islamic system to even occur in many of our Muslim countries there needs to be significant reform in how those countries are operating yeah so like, so uh, this is on a, yeah this is this is so, so this the, is i think i think even it. from an institutional level from an institutional level they're just looking at it okay this is uh we're training you for a role that's limited you, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So we're all, we've almost, yeah. we're, it's as if, you know, you know, people say, oh, like, um, they're so concerned with the madahib and even the aqidah. But I feel that the greatest concern is like people are actually, for the, the madhab most people are practicing is the secularized Islam. That Islam, yes. even though it's supposed to do one to a hundred, you can only do one to ten. Here's your list. Go have fun. Yes. I, I, I you know? totally agree on this point. I totally agree. Mm. And see, I submitted an academic paper a few years ago in Arabic about um, about reforming the educational uh, system within the Sharia colleges. Okay, and um, I surveyed the main schools, whether it is the Indian subcontinent school, the Saudi kind of a school, the Sham school the Egyptian school, Azhar Egyptian, okay, and the uh, Moroccan, yeah, uh, the Western Islamic world, okay, Morocco, and uh, the, yeah, uh, Algeria, Mauritania, etc. Who is teaching in those universities? Management. Who is teaching yeah, no, no, Muslims? Yeah. Who, who is teaching just simple management while management is so important for the success of individuals and organizations yes or no of course of in course. fact one of the biggest weakness weaknesses of the muslim ummah is poor management mm. yeah uh, holland Sheikha, i can i can holland. tell you on a per, uh, like uh, observing duat and scholars for like two over two decades, I would say even on a personal level, too many of our duat and scholars uh, have are living mismanaged personal lives. Like their yeah, yeah, their schedule yeah, is yeah. chaotic. Their family are chaotic. Like everything is in chaos. Like personally, for yes, them. yeah, yeah. And this is this is an element of it, which is yani the the schedule is chaotic, but uh, management goes beyond that. Okay, understanding yes. your vision, understanding your relationship with others, and how you will uh, lead a successful life, etc. So, look, uh, Holland, how big Holland is? Yeah, what is the population of the Dutch people? Is not even twenty million people. Twenty million, and uh, just over hundred years ago. The Dutch people managed to control Indonesia for almost 300 years. Yes or no? Mm, yes. 
Britain, that small island may be ruled half of the universe. Yeah? Uh, Britain, yes. that is that is more small island, managed to, yeah, to, to whatever you call it, maybe fool or whatever, the Indians to work for them to kill their Indian uh, Indian brothers and sisters. That, is that yes. true or not? Yeah? Yes. So, yes. the point is, how did they do that? They did this with Management. China as well. They did it with China as well. They, they, they did this with China and with other places. One of yes. our biggest yeah. problems as Muslims is poor management. Okay. Mm. Now, do dua study something related to management? No. Yeah. In all these no. uh, univers Islamic universities, do they study management? No. Okay. Leave management. Social sciences. No, they don't. Uh, our da'wah is nothing but social change, isn't it? So yes. we need social sciences. We need the humanities. We are not studying these. We are not teaching these in those Islamic colleges and institutions. Yes or no? Okay. Yeah, Let alone studying the political system. Come on, Akhi. After all of these years, we are still arguing vote or not to vote. Vote or not vote. Mm. Okay. This is what we argue about. Okay. Yes. We don't have a clear idea about the Islamic political system. Hmm. It is only maybe Abu Ala al Maududi wrote about it and just a few thinkers here and there. Okay. Hmm. Do they study that? Okay. When you study the books of fiqh, when you study jihad, and it hmm. says that it is fardu aynin, yeah, obligatory upon every single Muslim. And when Tullab al-Ilm read this, and they say, oh no, so no one is applying Islam, no one is implementing Islam, so they will have a problem. That's why some Tullab al-Ilm joined the likes of Daesh and Al-Qaeda, etc. They are good people, but they have misunderstood the whole thing. Why? Because they did not study it. Why? Because the books of fiqh, the classical books of fiqh that uh, are taught to them were written 500 years ago when there was a khilafah and an Islamic state. Mm. So now we are living in a different context. How to deal with that? We have no idea. And that's why mm. the du'at, as you said in the beginning, they are ineffective. Yes, and, yeah, and Chef, I think and we are not uh, generalizing. There are always exceptions. Yeah, no, no. There, there, there is. Uh, you know, obviously, we can't paint everybody with one brush. But you know, from my observation, yeah. I, I agree with you. I feel that when it comes to development of holistic branches of knowledge of other branches of knowledge, and essentially how to integrate um, Islamic knowledge to change society. You know what I mean? If yes. we look at, uh, you know, the da'wah of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, many of the Sharia rulings came in Medina, right? So there is in tandem, you have the values, you have like the, uh, the, the core messages being given, but in tandem, there's a facilitation 
of those like of Islam, like in the hearts and the minds to be present in the reality in the world around you, right? Whether it's like your institutions, your change, your financial institutions, political institutions, all of those different things, um, it, it, it has to be reflective, you, you, know, you know what I mean? So I think what people have resigned to, unfortunately, with their concept of Islam is that we're going to learn you know these different you know these branches of knowledge classically within islam but it's almost like an unsaid rule that it's really not going to fundamentally change the status quo yes right yeah, that, that yeah, has been established yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, and i yeah, think that yeah. has led to a big defeatist mentality with and and you see that's what i've seen subhanallah people who have studied spent much of their life studying islam and within a few years they become disheartened because you know, when you have this knowledge, it's like, for example, Sheikh, like you're training for a competition and then they tell you, actually, you cannot really compete. Like this is just a fake. You cannot compete yes. in the real competition. Yeah. Yeah. This is just theoretical. Yeah. Then the person becomes yeah. even more demotivated. You, yes. you know what I mean? So this is what I see with a yeah. lot of the tulab al-ilm and the, the du'at. And, and that's why I feel this is a, a, another big drive where you, you've seen some of them uh, have gone into social media because they feel, hey, this is somewhere where I feel I can do something, right? Because in my community, I, I, I Sheikh, just in Ramadan, there was literally a young, a young imam uh, just begging the board members of that masjid uh, to respond to his email. He said, I want to do a youth program. I've been sending you, he, they gave him a chance during Ramadan, you know, during uh, like the break between Taraweh to like give a reminder. He said, I've been begging. He said, this is the only time I get. I'm begging you to respond to my email. We need to do youth programs. He said, I have so many ideas. Yeah, look. And I see this is happening like as a, as like something being repeated that you have these people, maybe they come very idealistic energy. And then within a short period of time, it just goes down. Oops. Absolutely, absolutely, of course, of course, of course, of course. As we said, that there are a number of factors that contributed to, to this, but we are mm. highlighting one of the main factors. Yeah. Mm. Okay, طيب, let us move to, to another point. Or In terms of like, uh, just to end, uh, like end with this, like, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, having well-intentioned, um, but ineffective, uh, you know, men within our society, because we're looking at, of course, you know, the men to be at the forefront leaders of our families, of our communities and, and whatnot. Um, what is, what is a meaningful way we can change that for us to now yep. become have effective? How, how can we have yeah. some meaningful change to have effective men in our community? Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good point. See, we need, yeah, we need a comprehensive tarbiyah system, mm. okay? Again, we need a comprehensive tarbiyah system. And that tarbiyah system should uh, first produce number of du'at who understand the uh, bigger picture and what we want to achieve as a community or as an ummah, okay? Especially as an ummah in the West. And those individuals will be able to produce more people and gradually there will be a shift. There will be a transform of, of, uh, of the masses. 
In the beginning, mm -hmm. we need to follow the model of the Prophet ﷺ, where he was giving tarbiyah to a small group of people. They were giving that transformational tarbiyah in Dar al-Arqam ibn Abi al-Arqam. Yeah? For number of years, we don't need to follow the exact number of years that we do Sirri Da'wa three years, etc. No, okay, these were just uh, contextual, contextualized, uh, you know, uh, ways. So we need to to build uh, a few people, and a few people will build other people, and other people will build other people. And then when that goes to the masses, of course, we might not be able to, uh, to, to build the masses, but we will be able to influence the masses. And yet, okay, in the meantime, there will be a core, yeah, uh, uh, or a bulk of people who receive terbiyah and they are influencing the masses positively, okay? Mm. So... Those, yani those elite, you can say, or those, uh, call them whatever you call them, they have to go through a tarbiyah system, a comprehensive tarbiyah system, and then they will be able to pass uh, this system fully, partially to the masses. This is what we need. Okay? And again, I said, we need a comprehensive tarbiyah system. Uh, Sheikh, what are your thoughts on um, what happened during, like the, you know, the the time period before the coming of uh, Salah Adina Yubi with the revival of, you know, Sunni uh, with like Nizam al Mulk and the Nizamiya schools and things like that? Do you think that's yeah, like see. a similar type of model that? Uh, was effective? You see, see, we have to be careful, Yahi, in the historical accounts, regarding the historical mm -hmm. accounts, because the context is totally different. Time is totally mm -hmm. different. However, we need to benefit from uh, any, any historical success. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, the, 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 the point is, the point is that we as Muslims need to uh, maybe change the educational system, okay, to make it a full comprehensive tarbiyah system. Mm. Yeah? Yes. Uh, and that, in order for that to happen, uh, this is a long process, but it is needed and we have no optional no option but to go through it okay mm -hmm. and then there will be some flexibility regarding uh different contexts different spaces how to apply uh, this transformation in the educational system so just to switch gears here sheikh where where do you think is the greatest potential for revival right now in the Muslim world? Like, where do you see the seeds of revival have the greatest potential right now? See, um, the way I see it, Yaqi, is that mm. there is no 
uh, there might be a, a single place yeah, or a particular mm. place, but mm. look at uh, the universe, look at the world. Mm. We need revival everywhere. Mm. Okay? Revival everywhere. And then that revival, okay, everywhere, uh, it will support each other. So the revival of Islam and Muslims in America will help uh, the revival of Islam and Muslims in the West. That will help the revival of the Muslims in the Middle East. That will help the revival mm. of Muslims maybe in China, in uh, in India, and so on. And then, naturally, that revival, okay, uh, should be pushed in the right direction, and that should lead to kind of uh, federal system or any system mm -hmm. of unity between the main players of that revival, main political players of that revival. Maybe three, four, five Muslim countries that has gone through that revival, they can come together and be united, and then, okay, these countries, when they are united, they become a superpower, they should become a superpower, they should have uh, a, a veto right, maybe by that time, the United Nations will change upside down, however, the point is, Muslims will be, uh, will be one of the main global players, okay? And then once we see Islam and Muslims like this, then we will see a rapid change globally. This is how, mm. yani, I'm giving you a summary of the revival mm. of the Ummah in my point of view. Do you see signs of that in like uh, Erdogan or Imran Khan? You know, some Muslims have like looked at these two leaders particularly as a source of optimism, you know, because of some of their pan-Islamic rhetoric, you know, some of the, you know, things that they've stated, uh, you know, where other leaders have remained silent. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, see, to be honest with you, the matter for, Many Muslims, especially young people, are still emotional, immature. Mm. So when you mention certain personalities, then immediately they will go to, they will switch into either uh, a personal paradigm, okay, or some other paradigm, and the discussion will be shifted to something that is useless, okay? Erdogan, yes. oh, is he Islamic? Is he not Islamic? Yeah, Erdogan, is he helping the Ummah? He's not helping the Ummah, but he uh, received the Israeli president, okay, recently. No, he is hypocrite, not hypocrite. And we will miss the point. Yeah. Our point is not Erdogan, yeah? But, so, that's why I, 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 prefer not to discuss that and uh, mm. it is not yeah, a crucial thing but i would say not not necessarily as a personality but signs in in those leaders 
that at least show some like positive trend towards um, the principles that you're touting? Well, this is so not yeah. necessarily the this personality from themselves. This perspective, from this perspective, yeah. yeah. But yeah. see, yani, if we say, Mathalan, that uh, so there is a revival in Turkey, and imagine that there is a, a revival in Pakistan, and those countries are led by the right people, so that those two countries can have kind of unity between them. And one country is 80 million and Pakistan is 100 and maybe 60 million. So you are talking about 240 millions. Okay. And if yes. another country joined them, so that will mm -hmm. become a real, you know, uh, a real power. Yes. Okay. But this might be quite any uh, uh, far. We need now to focus on uh, just building ourselves and influencing the masses and reaching to influential positions so we mm -hmm. can take the right decisions. This is just yeah. a summary of the way I feel the revival of the Ummah can take place or can happen, sorry. And I think, Sheikh, that uh, the way that you're articulating it gives a path for everyone to do something. Because, you know, we were kind of joking about conspiracy theories at the beginning. And, uh, you know, and now that we're talking about, you know, people almost being attached to the personality or commenting on other issues, it's always in the sphere of like uh, just rhetoric and not something where you are actually making an impact with your own actions in real time in the real world, right? So I think that's a, an important point which you've made is that wherever you are, uh, you know, whenever you can to make that impact and, and help move towards the end, um, I would say perhaps just rephrasing it that we need to get in love with the process maybe of uh, revival and not necessarily the end goal. Yeah, Go ahead, yeah, I agree. But we need to, uh, which is which is related to what we what you said. We need to understand mm -hmm. the revival methodology, the roadmap. Okay, because that helps a lot. Because if we do not uh, understand it, we will lose many of our shabab. Some of them will join Daesh. Some of them will join these things. They think that this is the real way for the revival of the ummah and we will lose them mm. so i that's why yani inshallah we are in a process of producing something regarding the uh, revival of the ummah and how it can happen okay um i know you're are we done tired. for today yeah yeah no sheikh you're you gave us uh, you were too generous with your time Sheikh, we really appreciate uh, everything. Um, you also, by the way, um, maybe in, in the future we can show you, we have like a, a Tarbiya retreat for young adults and professionals and things like that. Excellent. That we've Excellent. been doing uh, 
from I think 2005 we've been doing this so it's a really transformative it's like everything like um we, it, we're talking about the aql and the spirit and the physical like it's a really comprehensive like tarbiya program uh that we have done uh you know for quite a while so maybe in the future inshallah um if you're available we can invite you to uh, one of those um inshallah that will yeah. that is the beginning and inshallah in the near future we will discuss inshallah more topical issues yeah inshallah inshallah jazakallah khair uh, sheikh barakallahu feekum barakallahu feek ya akhi jazakallah khair to all our uh, viewers we're really pleased to have sheikh haytham with us and uh, as always we live by the haq we die by the haq and just like just when you think life is stuck tune in to life haq jazakallah khair assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh